Genesis chapter 7. We read that without faith that it is impossible to please God. Therefore, our Lord, seeing our situations, he brings into our lives opportunities for us to exercise or express faith. Because God desires us to enjoy the pleasure of being pleasing to him. Sounds kind of like a circle thinking, but we have a basic need as mankind to be pleasing to our God. Revelation 4.11 tells us we were created to bring God pleasure. So our journey through life really comes down to one opportunity after another to exercise faith, to be pleasing to God. And thus we have our Lord orchestrating the events of our lives. He grows us. He matures us. He urges us to be men and women of faith. And so for several weeks, we have been looking at Noah. And Noah is an example to every believer. And his example is trust in God, be faithful to God's commands, and be a person of faith. Hebrews 11:7 let me read that to you by faith Noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen moved with godly fear prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness which is according to faith God was faithful to Noah to reveal to Noah the destruction of all air-breathing flesh on earth. This scared Noah. It would scare me. What if God said that to you, you know? And Noah has what we call godly fear. This verse, 11.7 of Hebrews, tells us Noah was moved and motivated by godly fear. How about you and I? As a father, as a grandfather, as a Christian, I look at the conditions of the world today, of the political world, and I say the situation is dire, to say the least. And if your hope is in the upcoming elections, no wonder you're frightened. <laughs> But our hope, a Christian's hope, is in the solid rock, Jesus Christ. But worldwide, not only in America, there are more people out of work today than ever before. You look at the world scene, and that can be frightening. Spain, one of Europe's largest economy, has a 25% unemployment rate. 
They showed a special on Spain this week on TV, and everyday people, even those of what we would say middle class, are dumpster diving behind restaurants and behind the farmer's market for thrown out food products. Things are getting desperate in Spain. Now you throw in, on top of the situation in Europe and their money crisis, you throw in the threat of war. And we as Americans, we seem to be hated by everyone. <laughs> Especially those that we seem to give financial aid to. They take delight in, you know, throwing it in our face, I guess. But Noah, he was afraid not only for his family, but Noah's afraid for all of humanity. How do we know Noah was afraid? Because Noah was a righteous man. That means he had a right standing with God and he had a right standing with mankind. And Noah is afraid for what is about to happen to humanity. Noah was faithful. He toiled. He labored on the the ark for 120 years. You've got to be motivated to stay with something for 120 years. But the political unrest and the economic chaos around the world today should motivate us Christians to exercise faith. Let me openly declare to you, as a Christian, God is faithful. God is faithful. We should never be troubled by the world's circumstance because our God is faithful. And he's worthy of our trust. So let not your hearts be troubled. God is in control. He hasn't given over the control of the world to Satan or Satan's cohorts. We will read chapter 7 of Genesis, but before we read chapter 7, the last verse of chapter 6 tells us Noah has done all that God commanded him to do. And now Noah, having finished his task, he and his family await the destruction of the world. Let's read Genesis chapter 7. Then the Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark, you and your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. You shall take with you seven each of every clean animal, a male and his female, two each of animals that are unclean, a male and his female, also seven each of the birds of the air, male and female, to keep the species alive on the face of all the earth. For after seven more days, I will cause it to rain on the earth, 40 days and 40 nights, and I will destroy from the face of the earth all living things that I have made. What a statement. And then Noah did according to all the Lord commanded him. Noah was 600 years old when the floodwaters were on the earth. So Noah with his sons, his wife, his sons' wives went into the ark because of the waters of the flood. Of the clean animals, 
of animals that are unclean, of birds and everything that creeps on the earth. Two by two they went into the ark to Noah, male and female, as God commanded Noah. And it came to pass after seven days that there were waters of flood were on the earth. And in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, on that day all the fountains of the great deep were broken up, and the windows of heaven were open. And the rain was on the earth forty days and forty nights. On the very same day, Noah and Noah's sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and Noah's wife, and the three wives of his sons with them, entered the ark. <clears throat> they and every beast after his kind, all cattle after their kind, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth after its kind, every bird after its kind, every bird of every sort. And they went into the ark to Noah, two by two, of all flesh in which the breath of life. So when they entered, male and female, of all the flesh went in as, as God commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. Now the flood was on the earth forty days. The waters increased and lifted up the ark, and it rose high above the earth. The waters prevailed, greatly increased on the earth, and the ark moved about on the surface of the waters. And the waters prevailed exceedingly on the earth, and on the high hills under the whole heaven were covered. The waters prevailed fifteen cubits upward, and the mountains were covered. And all flesh died that moved on the earth, birds and cattle, beasts and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, and every man. And all those in whose nostrils was the breath of life, the spirit of life, all that was on dry land died. So he destroyed all living things which were on the face of the ground, both men and cattle, creeping things and birds of the air. They were destroyed from the earth. Only Noah and those who were with him in the ark remained alive. And the waters prevailed on the earth 150 days. What a destruction. Noah, verse 1, come into the ark, you and your family. God tells Noah to come into the ark because that is where God is now. God is in the ark, and he wants Noah to come in to where he is. The ark happens to be the only safe place on the earth. The only safe place on this entire planet is the ark. Note, God's commands always have a purpose. We don't always see that purpose, but his commands always have a purpose and a reason. Come into the ark, Noah. Come into safety. Noah is to bring seven each of every clean animal, and birds like cows and lambs and doves. In seven days, Noah, God is going to destroy the world. He is going to cause it to rain 40 days and 40 nights. 40. That's a curious number, especially in the Bible, because 40 has become a number associated with testing. 
Moses is 40 days on Mount Sinai receiving the Ten Commandments. Israel, 40 years in the wilderness. Elijah traveled 40 days out into the Sinai. Jesus was tempted 40 days and 40 nights by Satan in the wilderness. So we understand that 40 is a peculiar number, a number of testing. Now concerning the animals coming into the ark, that's a lot of animals, it appears that God put within these animals this desire to migrate. A migration, I believe, that was orchestrated by God. I don't think Noah had to go out and gather each animal. I think God caused those animals to realize that the ark was a place of safety and they came on their own in a migration-type atmosphere. Uh, that still goes on today. We have huge herds uh, <clears throat> of reindeer that will migrate. We got birds that will fly from Alaska to Hawaii to just migrate. And uh, also, once these animals are in the ark, I believe we have what God does with the bears today, and that's a hibernation period. He causes some of these huge animals to go into a hibernation. Uh, otherwise, I think it would have been sort of chaotic in that ark, <laughs> to say the least. It's your turn to feed the elephants. Oh, no, I got them yesterday. You feed them. <laughs> but, uh, can you imagine? But Noah and his family, they have entered the ark along with all these air-breathing animals. And then verse 16. After seven days in the ark, Noah, having done all that God commanded him, God shuts the door. That's critical, especially in this whole scenario. The responsibility of sealing off all opportunities for man to be saved, God takes that responsibility upon himself. He doesn't have Noah shut the door. God shuts the door. God closes that door. And it was probably with a thud. You know, this is a huge door that animals have walked in. And, you know, it just has that boom, as the movies love to do. You know, when a door closes or something. Now, consider for a moment if Noah would have been told by God, Noah, you go close the door. I think Noah then would have been tempted to open that door when the floodwaters begin to rise and people begin to cry out for help. I think Noah would have been tempted to open that door, but God has closed the door. When that final moment has passed, that final opportunity has gone away for man to repent, God and God alone closes the door. God brings Noah into the ark, all his family, and that massive door slams shut. But inside the ark, you got Noah and his family, 
his three sons, their wives, and you got all the animals and all their food and so forth. And we have seven days now, seven days of grace before the rain came that that door is open. Seven days. Noah is told to come into the ark, but for seven days, nothing. No rain, no breaking up of the ground, the deeps do not break up. And remember, Noah has spent 120 years building this ark, and now God calls him into the ark, and for seven days, nothing. Noah had to have questions. Okay, what's going on, God? <laughs> Ark's done. I'm in. Door's still open. <laughs> what's going on? Noah has to wait another seven days. But it's only seven days. And after 120 years of building the ark, seven days probably seemed like nothing. And then that creaking, that sound, that thud of this massive door closing by God. And God has closed the door on all of humanity. No one else can or will be saved apart from Noah and his family. In Christianese, in our Christian lingo, we use the term open door. And that's a term that's repeated in Scripture several times. And we hear that term, and it's a way of God describing to us that he has gone before us and he's prepared a work for us to walk in and things are took care of. He says, I have opened a door for you. First Corinthians, uh, Paul says it well, First Corinthians 16, 8 and 9. Paul, uh, the apostle, is headed towards Jerusalem. He's ended his third missionary journey. He is now receiving offerings for the, the impoverished church at Jerusalem. <clears throat> and Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 16, 8 and 9, but I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a great effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. Paul recognizes a great effective open door, one that God has opened, and it's a door for Paul to evangelize Asia. Now, that's a, that's a large task, but God has gone before Paul. Paul also tells us that an open door does not necessarily mean circumstances will now be easy and everything will just go my way. An open door, again, is simply God's way of saying, I go before you. There's a term in Spanish that I love. Correct me, Willie, if I'm wrong here now. <laughs> Vaya con Dios. And it simply means go with God. That's what an open door is. It's an opportunity for us to go with God 
in a work that he has prepared for us. Paul says there are many adversaries, and isn't that the truth? We always have satanic opposition whenever we endeavor to do God's work. Just because God has opened a door, it does not mean you will not be opposed. In fact, you will be opposed. Paul says there are many adversaries, many opponents. But an open door can also be an answer to prayer. We pray, God, open a door for me that no man can close and close doors for me that no man can open. I pray that way, and I'm sure some of you do. The difficulty for us, for you and I, in determining God's will is, is this the way you want me to go, God? And if it is, open a door for me. I deal with difficulty in knowing the will of God. Not necessarily doing the will of God. I just want to know the will of God. And then I pray that God will give me the strength and the faith to follow after him in doing his will. Therefore, I pray, Lord, give me an open door and help me to recognize that open door or that confirmation to go forward. Likewise, a closed door can also be an answer to prayer as to stop what you're doing and change directions. I've closed that down. And if God closes something down, we don't want to try to revive it in and of ourselves. That's a work of the flesh. And an open door can be confirmation. A closed door can be confirmation. And this process of God opening and closing doors in our life is a constant, ongoing theme in our lives. God opens one door, he closes another. And I just want to know, Lord, help me to see when you close something down and help me to be faithful when you open something up. The closed door on the ark, God himself closed it. And once that door was closed, once that door is slammed shut by God, there is no longer a need for Noah to pray for those outside of the ark. God has closed that door. No need. God has stopped it. He has ended it. No need for Noah to cry out, God, be merciful to those that are outside the ark. No, God is done. Judgment now comes. As the rain, and it was severe rain, beats down on the ark, and I'm sure that that rain was so loud and so strong that it drowned out the sounds of the cries of the people that are perishing. And I think that is an act of mercy by God. I don't think God wanted Noah to have to listen to all those cries of people outside of the ark wanting into the ark. And so I'm sure the thunder was loud and I'm sure the rain beat down so viciously 
that Noah could not hear those cries. Again, an act of mercy as God brings judgment. Noah, he has done everything God commanded him. And knowing that, he has done everything God commanded him. That brings him comfort in destruction. Yeah, it's hard to find comfort when there's destruction going on. Did Noah feel sorrow for those perishing? Sure he did. He knew those people that are out there drowning. But for Noah himself, he has no regrets because he has been faithful to do all that God commanded him. There's no second thoughts of, could I have done more, Lord? No, Noah did all. God says that of Noah. He did all that I commanded him. And there is great comfort, there is great peace when judgment happens to those around us if we've done all that we can to be a good witness. When someone near to us, when a loved one dies, sometimes the only comfort we have is knowing that we have been a faithful witness to Jesus to them. There's no other comfort. We sorrow, we grieve because of their death. The only comfort we can find at times is knowing I was faithful to be a witness of my Lord to them. So, we read of Noah, and I pray that we will be like Noah, and that's to be a faithful witness, to do all that God tells us to do. Noah, he waits that last seven days in the ark those seven days before God shut the door and that has given Noah an opportunity to reflect. Noah and his family, they're in the ark. His building project of 120 years is over. Now he's safely in the ark. God shuts the door and there are no more opportunities, no more second chances. God's judgment has come. Now, a lot of people don't want to believe in a just God in today's world. How often do we hear, well, I could never serve a God that would do that? Or how often do we hear, would a God of love do that? And they'll cite some circumstance. No, but a man of sin would, <laughs> you know. Uh, and as we look at the world situation today, how does Noah in his life, how does it reflect on our lives? How does it minister to us? Well, it should minister to us in a big way. I do not know of any biblical prophecy that must be fulfilled before our Lord raptures his church. I do not know of any. Our Lord will rapture this church and it will set in motion 
the great time of his wrath, the great time of the tribulation, and that tribulation will last how long? Seven years. I believe we are in that last dramatic pause before God returns to judge this world. We're there. I believe that with everything in me. Noah, he waited seven days. Happens to be the number of completion. The number of completion in Noah's case of God's grace. God's grace ended after that seven days. The world that we live in will experience a seven-year judgment upon it called the tribulation. Then Christ will return after the tribulation, after that seven years, and judge the world. All that said to bring us to this, therefore, Verily, verily, consequently, any word you want to use, hence, before that final day of judgment, while the opportunity for salvation is still here, we want to be praying for those that are unbelievers. We want to be doing all that we can to be that good witness for the time is short. And again, I believe that with everything in me. Today is the day of salvation. That time of grace is still with us. But I think we're so near to when grace is shut out from man. Just like God closed the door on the ark, he's getting ready to close the door, the opportunity for salvation upon this world. But it's open today. It's open today, and that should motivate each and every one of us. For us believers, Noah was faithful in his witness right up until God closed the door on the ark. My prayer our prayer is that we would be faithful to be a witness, to tell the world what is coming. We have that truth, and we should share it. Let me get you to stand, and we'll close in a prayer. Father God, as we look at the world situation, we look at the Arab Spring, we look at all the chaos and the hunger that's going on around the world, and people are losing jobs, and even civilized nations are, are begging for food, Lord. I don't know how bad it has to get, but Lord, I do know that you give us the hope of yourself. You have told us what will transpire. You're going to come and you're going to take your church and that there will be a great time of wrath and then you return to judge the world. We know this, Lord. We know it because you have declared it. Let that truth 
of your return be on our lips, Lord. So by your spirit, encourage us, strengthen us to be that faithful witness. And Lord, may it be said of us, each and every one of us, that we did all that God commanded us. For we live in troublesome times, Lord. The political climate in our country is, is troubling, to say the least. And we see governments going bankrupt, and we see the economic terror that's going on in Europe and, and how people are just can't even afford to feed themselves. So come quickly, Lord Jesus, is our prayer. Come and deliver us, Lord. But until you return, may we be faithful as a witness unto you. We pray for this strength by your spirit, Lord. Lead and guide us, Lord, to those who have no hope. And may we be that voice of hope to a lost world. We pray for this, Lord, and we ask for this in your name, Jesus. Amen.